Now, I'm not going to say good morning. I'm going to say happy new year. Because we're all happy. There's nobody happier but those that love the Lord. Happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are all covered. When we got here on, on um, last week, I, um, I, I emailed, I, I, I texted my brother Adel here, and I said, Dear Archbishop, <laughs> the curate has arrived. And do you know what he texted me back? He said, welcome home, my child. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good to be happy in the Lord. And, uh, I want to, I want to give us a word this morning, which I hope will be of encouragement and I hope it will be of challenge to us as believers as well. So <clears throat> there's two readings. Uh, the first one is in the Gospel by Luke, if you have a Bible. <clears throat> the Gospel by Luke and in chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And reading down at verse number 38. Luke 10, verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister also called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, one other reading, please, in the next book, the Gospel by John. And we're going to read uh, the first six verses of chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now, a certain man was was sick named named Lazarus of of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then finally look down to verse 32 in the same chapter. 
Now when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have ye led him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Now we trust that these lovely verses will be an encouragement to all our hearts. I have noticed in reading through the New Testament scriptures, when you come to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you will find that the activity there and the narrative in the book of the Acts is mostly centered around the big cities. It's all about Rome, and it's all about Corinth, and it's all about Antioch, and it's all about Athens, and all the big cities are brought into focus when you read in the book of the Acts. But it's so different when you come to the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. When you come to those lovely Gospels, um, my favorite part of the Bible, by the way, uh, are, you, are you allowed to have a favorite part of the Bible? If, if you are, <laughs> even if you're not, they're still my favorite parts of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. When you come to those lovely Gospels, the four portraits of Christ, you will find that they're not so much occupied with the big cities. They're occupied with the little villages. Luke chapter 24, they came that day to a village called Emmaus. And it's in the Gospels that you read about the little town of Bethlehem. And it's in the Gospels that we read together just this morning how that he came to a certain village named Bethany. So I want to speak to you a little bit about this village this morning called Bethany and see if there is any lessons that we can learn from it. <clears throat> you know, all the villages in the Bible are not the same as Bethany. Bethany was where he was received in. Bethany was where he found love and comfort and fellowship and shelter. But all the villages in the Bible are not like Bethany. You remember how that when he came to that little town of Bethlehem, for instance, you remember that when he came there, we like to speak kindly about Bethlehem and sing about it at Christmas time, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. But remember that it was at Bethlehem that there was no room for him in the inn. And I'll often notice those words that it says there was no room for them. I don't know if there were room for others, but there was certainly no room for him in the village of Bethlehem. And I was telling the folks at home just at Christmas time there, you know, when we were singing some of the carols, which I'm sure that you did hear, there's a little carol that we sing sometimes. It says, He came down. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and his shelter was a stable. And his cradle was a stall. And, you know, I was looking at that verse just at Christmas time. You know, the Bible never says anything, brothers and sisters, about a shelter. And his shelter was a stable. 
The Bible never says anything about a stable. And I wonder sometimes if in his lowliness, the blessed Lord Jesus, not only was he laid in a manger and in his birth, but perhaps brothers and sisters, perhaps it was out in the open air. For many of the, many of the mangers in the east, many of the mangers around Jerusalem and Bethlehem were in the open air because there was so much demand for the little lambs in the temple down the way in Jerusalem. You will never find any reference in your Bible to a stable. You might find it in your Christmas cards, but you'll not find it in the Bible to think that he may not have had a shelter. And in his poverty, and in his humility, out of love to you and me, he was born without not only without a place in the inn, but born possibly in the manger in the open air. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, he found no welcome there. And you remember when he came to Nazareth? You remember how in that place where he was brought up in that town of Nazareth, and he came there and they would have taken him and they would have thrown him over the brow of the hill. And I often like to think of Nazareth in this way that he passing through the midst of them went his way. I often like to think about it like this, that when they came to Nazareth, they were too early. He said, my time has not yet come. He was, they were too early in their desires to put him to death. But when you come to the cross of Calvary, and they come with those Hammers, and they come with those stakes to break his legs. What happened? They found that he was dead already. In Nazareth, they were too early. But at Calvary, they were too late. He was dead already. And they break not his legs. These are lovely things that are found just right on the surface of our New Testament Bible. But when he come to, <clears throat> when he come to this little village of Bethany, how different, how different it was there. There was a woman there called Martha who received him in. And this has always been <clears throat> one of my favorite stories and my favorite part of the Bible because my mother was called Martha. And so it's a special thing to me to read about Martha in the Bible. And Martha received him in. How different, how different Bethany was to all the different villages. And what I want to suggest to you this morning, just for the few moments that remain, I want to suggest to you that there are certain features that stand out in this village that should be features that mark us as a church. The same features that Bethany had as a village we should have as a church as we come together to remember him and to give the glory that is due alone to his name. You know, when you think of a city, when you think of a city, you think of the, you think of the sophistication of the city. You think of the, the busyness of the city. You think of the buildings and, and the busyness and all the rest that's, that, that's typical of a city. But you know, brothers and sisters, when you come to think about a little village, <clears throat> you come to think about quietness. 
And you come to think about, you come to think about simplicity, the simplicity of the village. And you know, beloved brothers and sisters this morning, if there is one thing that makes the church attractive to our hearts, perhaps more than anything else, it's the simplicity of our gatherings, the simplicity of our meetings, the simplicity of what we do. I want to say to you this morning that the, the, the church is a simple place for simple people. We may have doctors among us and we're glad of that. And we may have lawyers among us and we're glad of that. But the most of us are just simple, simple people that have never been to university. The speaker has never had any degree or anything like that. He has never been to Bible college or anything like that. He's just a simple Christian. And the simplicity of our gatherings is what makes it attractive to our hearts. We'll never compete with the world. We'll never compete with what's outside. But the lovely simplicity, brothers and sisters, of what we did this morning, the lovely simplicity of the remembrance of the Lord Jesus as we took those emblems, the bread, His body given, the cup, the wine, His precious blood one shed on Calvary's cross, the simplicity of that, Do you know that bread? There's a hymn that we sing at home. It says, it's only bread and it's only wine. Yet by faith the solemn sign of the heavenly and divine, we give thee thanks, O Lord. Could we emphasize again this morning that that bread never becomes anything else just as bread? It's just a picture. It's just a symbol. It's just a type. If I showed you a photograph and I said to you, this is my wife. It doesn't actually mean that it's physically my wife. It means that this is a picture of my wife. This is a resemblance of my wife. And when the blessed Lord said, this is my body, He didn't mean it was going to turn into his body. He didn't mean that that was going to be physically his body. It was a type and a picture of his own blessed body that was given and riven for us on Calvary's tree. It's only bread and it's only wine. It never becomes anything else. But it's attractive to us because of its simplicity. You know, there was a big a big problem, a theological problem recently back home where a number of Christians met to, they met to uh, have a communion service and unfortunately the minister didn't turn up and there was nobody there to give out the bread. And there was nobody there to give out the wine because they believe that it has to be an ordained hand that distributes the emblems. 
and they had to go home without celebrating the Lord's Supper. Brothers and sisters, do we believe in simplicity? Do we believe that without an unordained hand, just a simple believer in a simple place, we can dispense the emblems one to another and we can remember the Lord Jesus until he comes again. Thank God we do. The simplicity of our gatherings, the simplicity of the village, just as an attraction to our hearts. You know, sometimes I think that Christians underestimate themselves. There may be some lovely Christians here this morning and you're saying to yourself, I don't know very much about the Bible. My family were not Christians in the sense that I am now. I don't really know much about church practice or anything like that. And sometimes when I come to the meetings like these, I feel very, very inferior and very, very insignificant compared to some of the others. I want to tell you it's the simplicity of your faith in Christ that makes you precious to Him. And there's nobody here this morning that is not important to the Savior. He died for you on Calvary's cross. That's how important you are to Him. One night I was invited to speak at an evangelical service in a place some miles from where we live. And I went. And when the time came, they had a prayer meeting before the evangelical service. When the time came, 6.30 in the evening time, there were only two people in the whole building. Just two people. One was a dear man who opened the door and let me in. And the other was his dear son. He was a Down syndrome child. None of the elders were there. None of the deacons were there. Just one man and a Down, a Down syndrome child. I hung my coat up in the cloakroom. And as I went out into the main hall, the young Down syndrome boy was actually standing up on the platform. And I said to him, I said to him as I walked up, I said to him, Alan, it's lovely to see you on that platform. I didn't know what he was doing there, but it was nice to see him there. And from underneath the platform, he brought up the glass of water that he had poured for the preacher in the back, brought it out, left it for the preacher. He said to me, he said to me, this little Down syndrome boy, he said to me, Hilton, I'm just the water boy. I'm just the water boy. I tell you, it humbled me that a little water boy like that would get a drink for me and bring it there that I might be refreshed in the meeting. And all the big guns weren't there. None of the people that should have been there were there, but a little water boy was there. He was important to me. He was important to God. He was just a simple believer in the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you, we can all be water boys 
We all have our part to play. We might not all stand up here, but we have all a part to play. And I'm thankful every Sunday morning in the simplicity of our gatherings when we remember the Lord Jesus that somebody brings along a song. You know, when you come along with a song, you just don't give it the first one that opens in your book. It's been something you've been exercised about in the week that's passed or the night before. And the brethren look up a hymn and they get it suitable for the remembrance meeting. And then someone comes with a prayer. And you know, when you pray, you just don't stand up and say the first thing that comes into your head. You've been exercised to pray and give thanks to God for His Son. And then someone, as our brother did this morning, gets up with a word from the Bible and encourages our hearts and reminds us how far off we were from Him. None of us will ever know how far off we were from Him. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Dear brothers and sisters, there's none of us this morning that deserve to be here. We were so far off from him. But he loved us notwithstanding all, and we all have a part to play in the gatherings of his people. The simplicity of it appeals to our hearts. You know, I want to tell you, this morning, some years ago, some years ago, we we branched out into a little district. There was new houses being built. We branched out into a little district. We got a little portable hall, a little, a little wooden hall. And we got a little place on the side of a hill on a bray. And we planted that little building on the bray. And we went round the doors and we invited the people in that they might hear the gospel of the grace of God. You know, there was no electricity in the hall. It was so simple. There was just little gas lights, little lights that were fed with a, a little mobile gas lantern that kind of screwed in and gave the light. Sometimes the light went out halfway through and we were sitting half in the dark. I tell you, brothers and sisters, there were some of the sweetest meetings that we ever sat in, in their simplicity. One day I went round the, the door and this, this girl was digging her garden. Digging her garden. I said to her, would you like to, we're having a little mission, would you like to come and hear the gospel? She said to me, what, 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 what's the, what's the gospel? I tell you, if you ever come to, if you ever come to visit us on Adel's bus, <laughs> I want to introduce you to Patricia. She was a dancer. A certain kind of dancer in a nightclub. Never heard the gospel in her life. You know what she told me one time after she got saved? She said, she said every night in our house, she said, was like Christmas Eve. I said, oh, why? Why was that, Patricia? At the weekend, she said, every every night was like Christmas Eve. I said, why? She said, because every weekend, every Friday and Saturday, she said, my father used to go out and break into all the houses of the neighbors around about. And she says, sometimes he brought back jewelry. Sometimes he brought back money. 
Sometimes he brought back lovely things that he'd stolen from the houses. That's the kind of environment that she was brought up in. And she became a dancer in a nightclub. And God wondrously saved her precious soul. But the simplicity of those meetings and those little buzzing lights lives with me yet. Brothers and sisters, let us rejoice in the simplicity that we have. We don't need flashing lights. We don't need colored windows. We have a dear friend at home went to a baptism. Comes to my mind just now. Even though the baptism was in the morning, she went to see another person getting baptized. And even though the baptism was in the Sunday morning, the blinds were closed. And the disco lights were flashing. And the music was pounding. Brothers and sisters, let us stick to the simplicity of the Bible. Where two or three are gathered together. In my name, there am I in the midst of them. I want you all to be water boys in the service of God. Now the second thing about this village, um, you know, we could kind of say it was a place of joy and happiness and so it was, but I'm going to shock you because I'm going to go the other way. And I'm going to tell you that not only was it a place of simplicity, but I'm going to tell you that there were times when it was a place of sorrow. It was a place of sorrow. The Lord Jesus went back one day. We read in John 11. And one of the family had fallen asleep. And it was a place of sorrow. And dear brothers and sisters, I was praying for Brother David since the last time I'd been here. I had memory of his wife down in that coffee room at the back, drinking coffee there, happy in fellowship. It's become a place of sorrow. Sometimes our members fall asleep. One by one, their seats are empty. One by one, they went away. But we'll meet them in the glory. We will meet them some sweet day. And you know, you cannot come to a church like this and you cannot come to a fellowship like this without becoming attached to one another. And you form a spiritual relationship with one another. You know, I see, I see my brothers and sisters, my spiritual brothers and sisters at home more often than I see my natural brothers and sisters. There's just something about it. There's a spiritual tie and a spiritual bind and we fall in love spiritually with one another. It's a wonderful thing to be part of the fellowship. I think the last time I was here, I mentioned the Sledge Sisters. Do you remember, do you remember that? We are family. And they sang, I've got all my sisters with me. But we don't sing that. We sing, I've got all my brothers and sisters with me. And it's a lovely thing to have brothers and sisters in Christ, even though at times, even, even though at times there is sorrow. You know, we, we have a hymn at home. I don't know if it's in any of these books or not. But it says, you know, sometimes we sing it when saints are called home. 
Hope it will be an encouragement to our brother David this morning. It goes, I'm not going to sing it, by the way. <laughs> just, going to, just going to repeat it. It says, we'll all gather home in the morning on the banks of the bright Jasper Sea. And we'll meet the redeemed and the faithful. What a gathering that will be. Some of us are fathers and mothers in heaven that taught us from early days that we needed a Savior. We love them with all our hearts. We long to see them again. We long to see our brothers and sisters that have been called home. But we long to see my Savior most of all. Fall at His feet and the story repeat and the lover of sinners adore. What a gathering that will be. But you know, you know, brothers and sisters, sometimes, sometimes there's other kinds of sorrow. I don't know why I was kind of guided along this, this way at the beginning of a new year. Um, but you know, it's just the message that's been laid on my heart. You know, sometimes there's other sorrow. You know, in my Christian life, in my Christian life, sorrow sometimes comes into the church because of division. Because of division. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren can dwell together in unity. And how sad it is and how sorrowful it is when sometimes division comes in and causes upset. I want to speak, I went to speak one night, this will illustrate my point, I went to speak one night to what we call at home an eventide home. I don't, you know where kind of older Christians are, you know, and maybe they're unable to kind of look after themselves. And I went to speak to them one night, and afterwards the matron, who was, you know, a Christian, a lovely Christian lady, she said, would I have a cup of tea? And we stayed and had a cup of tea. And in the course of the conversation, I said to her, Evelyn, Evelyn, you know, did, did they get on? How, how do they all get on? Did they get on? Everybody get on all right in here? And you know, I always remember her, she kind of paused for a minute and she didn't just give a glib answer. She paused for a minute and thought about it and she said, well, I'll tell you, she said, they're all Christians. They're all Christians. But it's not heaven. <laughs> it's not heaven. <laughs> and you know, <clears throat> You know, I thought, I thought that summed it up so well. They were all Christians, but no, it's not heaven. You know, to dwell below with saints you know, to dwell above with saints you love, that'll be glory. But to dwell below with saints you know, that's a different story. <laughs> oh, brothers and sisters, could I appeal to you never to bring the sorrow of division into the meetings into the gatherings. The happiness of being together is wonderful. The joy of Christian fellowship, of Christian love is wonderful. Never be the brother or never be the sister that brings the sorrow of division into the assembly of the people of God. Because you know there's another sorrow comes in. And I, I, 
I don't know why that I'm kind of going down this road today, but you know the other sorrow that comes in is the sorrow of sin. It's possible to bring great sadness into the gatherings of God's people because of sin. I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I've been involved in these problems where the sorrow of sin, when sin comes in to, dis, to disrupt the fellowship and happiness of the gatherings of God's people. There's no sorrow like it. You know, sometimes it's from an unexpected source. It's not just from maybe the wayward young people sometimes. I was thinking of an example that I might kind of give you in this respect. My time's almost gone. I'll keep my eye on the clock. But I was thinking of an example that, you know, one year we were on holiday in England. And in a certain area we knew there was a lovely church that had a good reputation that believed what we believed. And when the Sunday came, we were determined that we would kind of get in that area. We were, we were drawing a caravan in our car and we got the caravan and we went and we went to that church on the Sunday morning to remember the Lord Jesus. And this gentleman was very, very kind to us. He welcomed us to the gathering. He said to him, we'd like you to, he said we would like you to come to our house for lunch. And then he said, you've got a caravan. I want you to park your caravan in our, we have a large garden. I want you to park your caravan in our garden. And, you know, I want you to stay there as long as you like. Don't worry about paying fees or anything like that. You park your caravan there for as long as you, and you know, we were so tremendously impressed. And in the course of lunchtime, I don't know why he mentioned it, but anyway, he did. He said, you know, he said, we have stopped buying newspapers. Right, I said, okay, and you know, nobody buys a newspaper now, but you know, in those days, everybody bought a newspaper. And he said, we, I said, why have you stopped buying a newspaper? And he said, uh, he said, every day that we don't buy a newspaper, we save one pound. And every week, he said, we save seven pounds. And every month, we save about 30 pounds. And over the year, we save about whatever that is, all right? And, you know, Anne and I were both so impressed. What a spiritual man. What a spiritual man. He wouldn't even buy a newspaper. You know, brothers and sisters, it wasn't so long after that 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 man was disciplined for irregularity with assembly finances and assembly funds. Sometimes it can be the unexpected. You know what Mr. Mueller used to pray, the man that was the man of faith in Bristol that that fed those hundreds of orphans. He said, Lord, don't let me die, a wicked old man. This is not just for the young people. Any of us could fall. We're all made of flesh. We've all got weakness. Could I appeal to my brother's could I appeal to my sisters in this year in which we have entered? Do not be the Christian that brings the sorrow of division or the sorrow of sin into this holy gathering. Please don't do it.
please be careful as to how we live. I want to get through half of my wee sermon there. (laughs) But you just go as the Lord leads. And I hope that these characteristics that mark the little village of Bethany might be some of the things that will mark us in the year that lies ahead. Shall we just pray? Father, we're thankful for a lovely remembrance of the Savior this morning. We're touched to think of how far off we were, and yet we've been brought nigh by the precious blood of Christ. We're so humbled, Lord. We're so humbled that he ever walked up Calvary's hill and laid down his life and shed his precious blood in order that we poor sinners might be saved. And we're so thankful too for a Christian fellowship together. Lord, you haven't left us all alone to make our way to heaven. You've given us Christian friends and Christian fellowship. We value them deeply with all our heart. And we pray, Lord, that together we might be useful, that we might be water boys, that we might be useful in your service, and that this lovely church here, Lord, might be growing and growing and fruitful and bring glory to the Lord Jesus in the days in your will that lies ahead. So bless your word to all our hearts and remember to every Christian that your blessing will be upon them as we commit ourselves to you now and ask our blessing in the Savior's name. Amen.